Well, uh, here we are. Um, I'm not going to lie, it feels a little weird because I was just up here. I just, I just did this. Um, but it's, it's really exciting. We're doing this new thing. And um, we're, we're in this new series, this series all about our minds and our mental well-being. And it's important to remember as we go through this series that, that mental health is a, a massive thing. And so we aren't trying to solve every situation. We're trying to give you some helpful tools, right? And so this series, and in particular the talk today, we're going to be focused on the lies and the negative thought patterns that we've been believing that jeopardize our mental well-being and actually hold us back from the Lord's and everything he has for us. Now, John started this series a couple weeks ago, and one of the things he talked about were neuron pathways, which is that when you have a thought, your brain forms a path. And the more you think that thought, the stronger that path becomes until it becomes your default or your go-to thought pattern. It's a lot like when we walk through a field, we walk through grass, right? It's like, it's this. this, John actually showed this a couple weeks ago as well. But when we walk through grass, a path forms. And the more we walk down that path, the more well-worn it is. And the more well-worn it is, the more likely we are to find it again and to use it again. Well, that's exactly what happens with your thoughts. And sometimes we don't have a good thought. Sometimes that path that we've formed isn't leading us toward Jesus. It's actually leading us away from him. And when that happens, we have to think a new thought. We have to form a new pathway. But that takes time and energy and effort. It takes intentionality and a daily choice. It takes us training to do that training and trying and and maybe failing, so we need to try it again until we have a new well-worn path. Now, it might not look it, but I actually really enjoy training. I really enjoy going to the gym and doing strength training. Uh, I've always been an active person. As a kid, I played loads of sports, and then I was a cheerleader and dancer in high school and uni, and I went through a kickboxing phase and a running phase and a hit phase, and basically all the trends you can think of, I've tried. And about seven months ago, my gym closed, so I had to find a new gym. And where I landed takes training very seriously. So they do these six to 12 week programs where you're working on specific skill sets, you're doing progressive weight overload. They celebrate every time someone gets a new PB or personal best. They hold each other accountable to whatever their fitness goals are. They're intentional about it. They're training. And one of my personal fitness goals has long been to deadlift my body weight. Now, if you don't know what deadlifting is, it's when the barbell's on the ground and you pick it up. Easy peasy, right? So I'd always said, yeah, I'm going to do that. But I did nothing to train for it. It was just like a thought. Like I was like, yeah, someday I'm going to be able to do that. And every now and again, I'd throw some more weight on the barbell and see where I was at. But there was no intention to it. 
It was just a goal. Well, within two months of joining this new gym, I added over 30 kilos to my deadlift, and now I can actually deadlift my body weight for reps, so for multiple goes. Yes. Yes, I know. Your pastor is very strong. But that's not, that's not why I'm telling you that story. I'm telling you it to make a point, which is that if you have a goal, you actually need to do something to reach it. Otherwise, it's just going to stay a goal. You actually have to make a choice. And that's not just true for the gym. That's true for every area of your life, for your body, your spirit, and your mind. We can't just say we want to look more like Jesus. We actually have to read the Bible, pray and get to know him, allow other people to hold us accountable and call us out on some things. We can't just say we want Christian friends. We have to join a life group or a serve team. We have to attend on Sunday and and say hello to people. We have to do something to reach these goals. We have to do what Colossians 3 teaches us to do when it says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. There's an intentionality to that. We have to set our minds on the things above. We have to choose to focus on that rather than the earthly circumstances that we find ourselves in. We choose to set our minds above. And we have to choose to set that, to intentionally do that, to train ourselves to do that because it is not your mind's default to think that way. Your mind, its main function and purpose is to keep you alive. That's its goal. Every day, your mind is thinking, how can I keep this person alive? And it's really good at that job. If you're sat here today, your mind has a 100% success rate of it. It's very good at it. But it does that through something called negativity bias, which is that when something bad happens to us, when something negative happens, or when we feel something or experience something negative, our minds go, whoa, 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 focus on this. Pay attention to this, this big thing, all the flags right here. Because it's trying to protect you. And whatever is going to kill you is probably going to be negative, And it's trying to keep you alive. But of course, the more we think that way, the more we think negatively, the more well-worn that path is, the harder it is to form a new path, the path that's going to lead us toward Jesus. And so we have to learn to do what 2 Corinthians teaches, what 2 Corinthians commands us to do when it says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. The Greek word there, take captive, means to gain control over. So we gain control over our thoughts. And then we bring them 
so that they obey Jesus, so that they're in line with the Lord. We, we actually have a command, a responsibility, a calling to do that, to, to gain control over, not to just, oh yeah, it'll happen like I did with my deadlift. No, you have to gain control over it and bring it to the Lord. So in order to do that, we need to know what he's thinking. We need to know what he's like, what his message, his heart is. And thankfully, we've got a whole book that does that. The Bible is full of what God is thinking about you and about this world and about your situation. You might think I'm in such a niche, terrible situation. There's something that God has said about it. But we need to know it. We need to know the truth. So let me just give you some of my favorites. 2 Timothy 1.7, you've not been given a spirit of timidity, but one of power and a sound mind. Hebrews 13, uh, the Lord is my helper, I shall not fear. 1 John 4, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That's a good one. Deuteronomy 28, I am the head and not the tail. That is some good truth. And so anything that is coming against the word of God, anything that is coming against the truth is a lie. And so I don't have to listen to it. I don't have to believe it. I can just recognize it's a lie. I was uh, in the park hanging out with my friend and her daughter a few years ago. And the daughter was about six or seven and And she comes running up to us and she's all upset and she's crying. And she goes, mom, mom, that boy called me a poo-poo head. And the mom goes, oh, that wasn't very nice of him, but are you a poo-poo head? And the little girl says, no. And the mom says, no, you're not. So what does that make that boy? And the girl lights up and she goes, a liar. And off she runs. Just like that, back to play. See, she knew the truth. She knew who she was. And so when something came up against that, when a lie challenged that identity, she went right to her parent. She went right to the one who could actually remind her of truth, who could speak her identity over her again. And once she did that, she was like, oh yeah, it's just a lie. I can dismiss it. I don't have to to believe that. And yet, when Satan tells us we're a poopy head, when he says, oh, you're a dirty sinner, you're worthless, you're unlovable, when we think that, when we have those thoughts, we, for some reason, think that that is who we are, that, oh, I'm a sinner, oh, I'm worth, oh, I'm terrible, I'll never be as good as that person. No, those are just lies. They're just thoughts. And you are not your thoughts. You're not. I can prove it to you. If I think I am a coffee mug, I'm never going to be a coffee mug. No matter how much I think I am so good at holding this delicious hot beverage, I'm not going to be a mug, right? It's ridiculous, but that's what we're doing when we believe these thoughts define us. They don't. Jesus defines us. Truth defines us. So you can just think another thought. 
The average person thinks 60,000 different thoughts every day. 60,000. And you're stuck on one. You can think another thought. Now, I know this is easier said than done. And I know that as we get older, the lies become much more intense than you're a poo-poo head. I get it. But we are commanded by the Lord to do this, to gain control over our thoughts. And I'm going to be super honest and transparent with y'all as, as your pastor and also just as a sister in Christ, because more than the average person, I actually really know and understand the journey of learning to take thoughts captive. I really know and understand the difficulty in doing it. Because what most of you don't know about me is that I actually have a diagnosis of obsessive compulsive tendencies. Now, when we talk about OCD and we talk about OCD tendencies, it's not about keeping things clean. It's not about superstitions. That's kind of the myths around it. That's not what it is. It's a thought, an obsessive or intrusive thought comes into your mind and you can't shake it. And it's a negative and unpleasant thought. Uh, it can often be um, violent or graphic or scary in nature. And so your brain lies to you. And it says, oh, well, in order for this thing to not happen or in order for this thought to go away, you have to do this. You have to do this compulsion, right? That's where it's obsessive thought leads to a compulsion. That's where they get the name from. And I was going to say, like, it's almost always illogical. It's always illogical. And we know that. I know it doesn't make sense that just because my bowls are organized a certain way, I'm going to have a good day at work. I know that doesn't make sense. But that's the lie. And so when that thought comes into my mind, I have to gain control over it. And so I have to recognize it and bring it to Jesus. And so I bring him that thought, and he says, oh, but the bowls didn't give you your calling. I did. The bowls don't give you the joy of the Lord. That's my job. And I can replace it with truth. I'm reminded of the truth, and then I can dismiss the other thoughts. Now, this requires training. You don't just do it once and, oh, great, now it's better. You don't, you know, for some of you, I do believe today, some, some of you, there's going to be instantaneous healing. But for a lot of us, it's making that path. It's choosing to every time that lie comes back into your head, every time that negative stronghold comes back up, you say nope and you gain control over it and you bring it back to Jesus so it can be obedient to him. It takes training. And one of the tools uh, that they teach you within um, OCD to, to help manage the disorder is something called the three C's. Now, I'm not a professional, I'm not a counselor, um, but it's a really easy, practical tool that you can do at any point, whenever you need it. It's also biblical. So I'm going to teach this to you because I think it's important that you leave today with something practical. Because we can say this all the time, like, yeah, take every thought captive, great. What does that mean? How do we do this, right? So the three C's is a great way for you to start 
to take every thought captive, for you to start that journey, okay? So the three C's are you catch it, check it, and change it. So the first one, we catch it. So we recognize what the thought is, what the feeling is. We identify it. A lot of us are not great at actually knowing what's going on internally because we weren't taught how to do it. So you might actually struggle even with this step. And, and if you, a lot of people will, so that's okay. But what I'd recommend then is that you uh, Google and download a feelings wheel. Google it. There's a few different varieties. Find one that works for you. Um, but it's a really helpful thing that you can look at and actually start identifying what emotion you're feeling. Because emotions and thoughts are really helpful tools, but they are not good leaders. Jesus is our leader. But we need to identify what's going on so we catch it. Then we're going to check it. So we bring it to Jesus. We make it obedient to him. So we ask, well, is this true? Is it accurate? Is it, is it good? What does Jesus say about this thought? What is Jesus saying about this emotion? Because if, if he's saying something different, or if anything, if any of those questions is, is no, well, then I need to exchange them, and I need to get the truth. So we change it, and so now I have the truth, and that's what I'm going to live from. So for example, um, let's say you have sinned. And it's the same sin that you are repeatedly doing. You're stuck in a sin cycle, okay? So, okay, well, I'm going to catch it. What, what is the thought and the feeling? Well, the thought is, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm worthless. The feeling is shame, guilt, maybe some frustration. And so now that I've caught it, I'm going to check it. So I go, okay, Jesus, well, what do you say about this? Well, Jesus says that there's no shame with him. I know I'm not worthless because Jesus actually says that, that I'm worth everything. He gave up everything for me. I know that as soon as I ask for forgiveness, he forgives. And then he forgets. So, okay, that's the truth. So now I'm changing it. So now I can live from this place of truth. And when it comes back, when that lie comes back, now, the path is that much more worn. It's that much easier. And you do it again and again and again until this new path, this path that leads to Jesus and truth, is your default. Now, the last C there, change it, that's arguably the most important. Because I think sometimes we get stuck in recognizing what's happening to us and we focus on it. And so we become so consumed with Oh, I've sinned again. Oh my gosh, I can't. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to try really hard to never do this again. Or, oh man, this situation is so impossible. It's so difficult. Oh, why me, Jesus? Oh, Jesus, if you would only change this one thing or do this or come heal me in this way, then everything would be better. And we focus so much on the negative feeling, on the experience, that we forget Jesus is right there. Our eyes are on the negative, and so they can't be on Jesus. When actually, Jesus is the only one who's going to save us. He's the only one who can do that. He's the only one who can heal you, deliver you, restore you, set you free, bring comfort. It's only him. And yet our eyes are focused over here, 
on the darkness. We've been given light. And I'm not saying we ignore this stuff because sometimes life is really hard. But when we're spiraling, when all we can think about is what we can see, our circumstances, the earthly stuff, we choose to go high. We choose to set our mind on the heavenly things and we bring it to the Lord and we say, Jesus, this is what I'm feeling. What do you say about me? Jesus, this is my experience and it's really difficult. Where are you in it? We allow him to speak into it. We allow him to change our thoughts to make them obedient to him. And the reason why we find that exchange so difficult is because of fear. We're afraid. We're afraid that actually things will always be this way. We're afraid that he won't come through for us the way he said he would. That maybe he isn't who he said he is. That maybe I'm not who he says I am. And so we live in this place of negativity. We live in a place of believing the lies. In the Old Testament, God's people, the Israelites, were in slavery for 400 years. And they, they were in bondage in Egypt, but the Lord delivers them. And he gives them a promised land of Canaan. The journey from Egypt, where they were enslaved, to their promised land of Canaan was supposed to be an 11-day walk. It took them 40 years. Because at some point in the beginning of that journey, they saw the enemy and they got scared. They saw the earthly things. They saw their circumstances and they forgot to set their minds above. Deuteronomy recounts the story for us. This is Moses telling them, reminding them what had happened. He said, you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. The Anakites were really bad. But they saw this. They, they saw their enemy and they were big and they were bad and it was going to take a fight to get them out of the promised land. And so rather than think, oh, the Lord's on my side, they could only look at their situations. And so they followed fear and they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness when their promised land was within spitting distance of them. And we are just like them. We see the enemy. We listen to the lies and taunts of the enemy. We see our situation and our circumstances and we think, this looks scary. This is bad. And rather than think, yeah, it's, it's tough. There's some giants in this promised land, but God, we let the enemy make choices for us. We forget that we have a miracle working God. 
We have a God who is your great deliverer, your savior. And so this morning, I'm here to say to you that enough is enough, that you've been in the wilderness for too long. The promised land is just there. Your freedom is just there. And you're stuck in this. No more, church, no more. Enough is enough. And you might be listening to this and thinking, oh, I'm, I'm okay. I'm like 90% in my promised land. I'm 90% in freedom. 90% isn't real freedom. It's not. That's not what Jesus died to give you. He died to give you 100% freedom. 100% peace, 100% joy, 100% hope. He gave up everything so that you could have everything. So it's time for you to get up out of the wilderness to cross over the river and enter into your promised land. Enough is enough, church. It's time. <laughs>